Hey, thanks again. Welcome back. This is the Progressive Mind Center podcast. I'm Tom, your host, uh, therapist here at the Progressive Mind Center. And I'm joined with two lovely women, one, my business partner and dear friend, Dr. Terry Prescott. Uh, she has been in the field for three decades in all facets of psychiatry and mental health. And so she's going to share her insights with you today and in subsequent sessions. We also are joined by a very special person, which Terry will go ahead and introduce to you. She's going to be sharing her uh, story with us. So thanks for tuning in, Terry. Hi, everybody. I'd like to introduce Jane Martin. She's been a friend of mine for, oh, how many years, Jane? More Quite a few. Since, yeah. since you were running around with my sister in high school or grade Absolute school. Grade school, my dear. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, and obviously, Jane and I have known each other for quite some time, and we are friends on Facebook. What really wanted, why I wanted to move forward with doing this podcast is because Jane started writing about her own experiences with the COVID virus that's going on right now, as everyone is well aware. Um, and she started writing her thoughts, concerns, feelings about it. I thought this would be a great opportunity for Jane to share her insights and some of, you know, basically I'm going to say Jane, your insights because they were and are fabulous. Um, can you tell us a little bit about when you thought this virus was becoming serious and how you reacted to it? Um, I started reading about it a few months ago and I was really fascinated with it. And like an idiot, I downloaded a book called Pandemic 1918 and started reading all about the Spanish influenza epidemic and the pandemic. And then I, then I started to become obsessed. Then I started to devour all this COVID stuff. I never really took it that seriously. Um, till a bit, couple of weeks, it, we went to France, and as we came back from France in February, there were people wearing masks, and there was some talk of, you know, this was starting to get serious. That's that's when it um, that's when it hit me, and then right after that, it just, you know, every week I'm hearing something new, something new, something new, and that's that's when it hit me, you know, as the the news ramped up, and I'm starting to, you know, buy my toilet paper, buy my my paper goods, buy you know, all of my staples, I started to think maybe there was something to this. All right. And I was also, sorry, I was also following a few bloggers in Italy, a few Instagrammers in Italy who were talking about the lockdown over there and what they were going through. So it kind of, you know, it was, that's what I was, that was the background for what I was feeling at the moment. Okay. And, and why did you decide or, or how did you begin to write your Facebook post that, have resonated with a lot of people. Well, I'm always, I'm an oversharer in life. I just can't keep a big fat mouth shut. And I'm, you know, it's, if it's not politics, it's food, travel, all the things that are, you know, I'm passionate about books, dogs, you know, my husband, all kinds of stuff. Um, and I just, you know, I've always been really open with my feelings. I don't really, you know, I'm getting, even when I was younger, I was open, but now I'm really open because I'm older. I don't really give a fat rat's ass what anybody thinks of me anymore. I just, and I, but I found like, what I found is the more I am myself and I, the more I let myself express all of my true feelings, 
the more people seem to really gravitate towards me. So it has not really put people off. And in some cases, people are like, thank you for saying that. Or, you know, it was a lot of political stuff that I was saying, that, but I was really trying to, you know, put my feelings across. People were take, take well to what I say because they try to be, you know, thoughtful about the way I do things, not too crazy, you know, with the politics and so forth. So I thought, you know, why not write about this? You know, every day there was some new horror coming across the news and I just thought, I'm having a lot of feelings. Let's put it out there. Well, so uh, what kind of response did you get from uh, people that were viewing your posts? Okay. Really, really quickly, I got positive response. Um, yeah, I have a pretty, we have a pretty wide um, group of friends. Uh, my husband is English. We both lived in Europe. We have friends all over the world. So we have a really diverse group of friends, pretty open-minded, pretty intelligent. People were very, very receptive to what I was saying. And everybody was having a lot of similar feelings themselves. You know, in the beginning, I, I started writing, I think the first, when I started really writing about it was the first week of lockdown here in Jersey. And then, um, you know, people were really frightened at that point. It was terrifying and it was all new to us. And everybody was in the same boat of just what the hell do we do? How do we get our stuff? You know, what are we, you know, how are we going to get our food? How do we, you know, do our errands? How do you live your life like this? You know, so I think it, it resonated with people, and, you know, and in Venice, it started rolling out. Like my family, Chris is my husband's family in England. They were having like a, a week or two behind us with a lockdown. So all the people in England were, were um, interacting as, as well as our friends in Germany who were like a week before us. It was just, it was just really, there was a lot of people, there were a lot of people who were really receptive to it and, you know, wanting to share their own thoughts too. What kind of things did you find people sharing? Well, especially what, what kind of, um, sparked interest with other people? What kind of things that you said? What did resonate with others? I think um, people are scared and they're also having a lot of um, mixed emotions. First of all, they're, I know a lot of people with kids, they're just trying their best to homeschool these kids, which honestly, I, I just, I'd be like pulling my hair out if I had to do that. It's, that's one thing. And they're worried about their children for one thing and how, they, how the kids react how to discuss it with them, that, that's one thing. Um, folks are just, you know, really scared and, and putting it out there. A lot of the, the thing that folks are, the, and myself included, is the, and I work with, a lot, I mean, I do a lot of volunteering in, um, in Camden with people who are um, at a food, for want of a better word, a soup kitchen, with, we're feeding hundreds of people a day. So I'm really um, well-versed in food insecurity and food insecurity was a big issue with me. And it was, it was actually probably more than anything else. I think food insecurity was really, really high on everyone's list because they were going to the stores. The stores were decimated. You couldn't get anything. You, you know, there was like nothing in certain aisles. It, it was like, it was surreal for America where everything is just so easily attainable, you know? So a lot of it was about the insecurity of not being able to find food for your family and yourself. I, that, was, that was a major component in the beginning. As the time wore on, the folks, they did that sort of 
changed a little because that you know things became a little more available uh you know we realized the supply chain was not going to be as badly affected as they you know the fear mongers were saying it so that that went off but then we started just talking about like cooking and just stuff that we were doing to keep our minds active and to keep busy a lot of people are doing online yoga online exercise walking around the neighborhood you know my neighborhood is is very tight-knit we will meet outside you know really in a huge circle like six to eight feet apart have a drink or two just and this is like the only conversation that people are having now it you know whatever new piece of information they've got they want to digest discuss it's you know that's basically you know what a lot of it's been was there a point jane where you felt yourself spiraling out of control and you uh, consciously thought, okay, I I need to do something about this. I need. Yeah, to I was spiraling out of control. I was so I've had a family history of depression, and um, I've been on and often on antidepressants for like thirty years. I haven't been on them for about fourteen years, fifteen years, maybe. I you know I married my husband. I got really, really personally happy, and I you know, and it really, and I had some blips over time, but I kind of rode them out because I and. Like I know when I need something and I, I didn't feel like I needed anything. I, I, I was, my coping mechanisms were much better the older I got, but this, but as like this, I think the second week wore on, my nerves were shot. I couldn't sleep. Uh, you know, every time a siren was going off, I was like jumping out of my skin. It was, and then I was just terrified that like, that I had it. I think that that's another one I think a lot of people had in the beginning was, oh my God, I have it. You know, it's, you know, every little, I'm Googling symptoms. I'm, you know, I don't have a thermometer. So thank God I don't because I'd be taking my, <laughs> my temperature nonstop. But I was really worried that I had it. And I was having, um, so sometimes when I have anxiety, I, like it will manifest itself physically. And I was having like my eyes and my head felt like there was a big rubber band in there. And I was like, oh my God, something's wrong with me. I'm now gonna have to go to the hospital. I was just like crazed. But, but I knew what it was because I've had this kind of stuff before. So um, I had just met with a new nurse practitioner a week or two before and I thought, I, you know, I gotta stop this. I gotta, I gotta call her, get myself together. I called her, I called them. They uh, set me up with a telemed um, uh, meeting. We, she's a terrific woman. She sat down with me, much like you and I are sitting here. And um, we had a little chat and I told her about my history and family history and what I was feeling and she she died and I had told her that um one of my family members is on Lexapro and she said you know and I had read that if one if it works on one person in a family it's it can work on like it usually will work on others so and somebody else I know is on Selexa which she also told me is somewhat related to Lexapro I don't, I don't know exactly how but it, it Selexa might be an earlier version type thing of it anyway so she put me on the Lexapro um I, I started taking it like I felt well I always get a placebo effect or like whatever when I first start taking an antidepressant because I've made a, a, a move towards you know doing something for myself but like literally a week later I start to feel really better now I'm three weeks in and I'm like myself again but I'm I just I feel really good I feel more like myself than I felt like in a really long time I feel so I think this was like creeping up slowly but I didn't really feel it until this COVID virus thing just knocked, you know, knocked me out. And I also think, and, and I think Tom can support me with this as mental health professionals, 
oftentimes people aren't as apt to take care of those needs. And the fact that you could recognize that in yourself, because there's also a lot of people who feel ashamed of their feelings. And oh, no, I'm not. You know, my family, like I said, this ongoing depression issues with my family. We just, we've always discussed things openly. Um, you know, I don't want to out my family problems. You know, my sister, we've, we've all had some issues with, with this kind of stuff. It came right from my dad and we've, you know, we've had issues throughout like the, my generation, the next generation, it's, it's been a thing, you know? So I, you know, and I, and I have had help before and it really was beneficial for me. So, uh, you know, I'm not, to me, I don't really have a stigma with mental health. It's to me, it's like having, you know, cancer or like, you know, a broken leg. It's just something that went wrong. It's, it's not because I did something wrong. It's because of how I'm wired or my DNA or whatever. I don't have a problem with it at all, discussing it or asking for help when I need it. And I truly appreciate that and applaud you for it. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> you know, it's, my husband was glad. I was, I have a little, you know, I have a Xanax. Um, my old doctor gave me 30 Xanax a month, which I never take, but I kind of like just having them around. If I'm a wreck, I'll take one. But I, if I was taking one a month, it was a lot. But I was chewing them down like that first week, like nobody's business. That was a small 0.25 dosage. But one day I was like having such a panic attack. I took three of them, which was a lot for me. And I still was having that panic attack. And that's when I called and got, you know, got her. You know, I knew it needed something besides like a band. It was like a gushing wound that I was trying to put a band-aid on. It was not going to work. Now, you did something really great with this Facebook thing. Like I said, kudos to you. Oftentimes, you. people use Facebook as um, toilet paper. And by the by, what's your opinion on why people are hoarding toilet paper? I'm still trying to find a good answer for this. I've got to be honest, though. I've always been a paper junkie. Like, we have um, a house at the shore and a house here. So when I was in the supermarket in the middle, the beginning of March, and I saw a 30, a deal on 36 rolls and I thought, I'll just get it. Cause I'll bring like 18 of them to the shore for the summer or whatever. So I bought 36 rolls and I had already had like 12 rolls or 16 rolls. Uh, so now we've got like, you know, a good 30 some rolls. I have no idea, but I like having that stuff around like cleaning products. I like having too, but same thing like shampoo. I like all my stuff. You know, it's, it's not the greatest, you know, uh, portrait of myself I'd like to get, but I actually, you know, I do like stuff, <laughs> <laughs> including toilet paper. But what do you guys think? I mean, is it like, what are I mean, I did look up something like, what would you do if you didn't have toilet paper? There's, the people have existed, like people existed for what, millions of years <laughs> Well, I was in the uh, I was in the Marines, and uh, I can assure you that when you're on a ship and you're traveling from port to port, uh, toilet paper is like gold if you can find really uh, go into a a port. But it doesn't last that long, and if you're out to sea for a week or two weeks straight, I mean, it's a uh, it's a real shit to shower kind of situation. Really? Wow! No thanks. Well, I, you know, when I've been, we were in um, I don't know. Egypt years ago and 
and I was fascinated with the hoses on the wall because you know they don't they they handle things way differently than we do with toilet paper. You know, we you'd go into the bathrooms and these tourist things, they'd give you one square of toilet paper. I was thank God I knew this before <laughs> I went because I was bringing all manner of stuff into that bathroom with me because I was it was a total like shit show for want of a better word. Mm -hmm. Well, I think it really appeals to the fact that. Uh we're so we're so uh, uh, suggestible as far as uh, media and um, um, advertising and things like that. So if we hear on the news that there's a shortage of toilet paper. All of a sudden, this right. fear of loss sets in, and we feel like, oh, I gotta I gotta go make sure that I have toilet paper without actually <laughs> stopping and rationalizing and thinking, you know what? If I really needed to, I mean, I could I could go into the shower or or take a bath or, or what have right, you. Right, right. Actually, need it. Or be like a dog and scoot your butt across the floor. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, but but we do tend to get carried away, and I see this morph into other things when we're watching the news and and how we rely and are dependent on that. Uh, and it takes away from our ability to actually use our brains. And, yeah. Huh. And think about well, well, you know, you know, well, if what do I need to do to keep myself uh, uh, safe in in this uh, crisis situation? And how much food do I really need? Do I need three deep freezers out in the garage? You know, now, I need well, twenty thousand chickens because <laughs> well, you some people. I even know people who like are would like seem like doomsday preppers. People who have like a pantry full of stuff all the time. Now, I, we have a deep pantry, but it's only because I like, I really, we cook a lot. I like to have all my, you know, international ingredients on hand. I'm like, I can make something out of nothing in our fridge so fast your head would spin. So, so that to me was second nature. We didn't really go crazy on the stocking up. We did actually buy a lot of beer and wine. And funnily <laughs> enough, that's the thing that we have not been doing at all is drinking, not at all. That's good with Xanax. <laughs> well, no, I didn't, Xanax is off the table, Lexapro. But even like before I started, I was like, I just want to keep my wits about me. It doesn't, it amps me up as a depressant. I mean, when I'm happy, a couple of drinks is great. But when you're not happy, it's, you know, it's, yeah. not, the, it's not the smartest thing in the world. That's one thing I've learned over the years. Absolutely. Yeah. But yeah. Anyway, sorry, go ahead. <laughs> you have a lot of friends throughout the world. I know that. We're How lucky they've been dealing with this. Well, I well my one of my best friends is this Irish gal. She lives in Germany with her husband. He's English, and their two ch young children. She is just steaming along, you know, doing what she needs to do, doing what the government tells her to do. She they've been home for a long time because there were cases at her children's school. Um, but uh, she's she's been handling it fine. Of course, they have a government that they're you know that's responsible and they're, you know, they're not nervous about following the directions of their government because their government's not going to lead them down the garden path to death. Um, so they're doing well. My um, English family, they're a little surprised by this and upset. They've also got like, you know, the prime minister there is, is like a Trump, Trump-like character. So he's, he's not easily believable. The Australians, they're having problems too. I mean, they don't have the greatest government. It's, it's hard. It's people are, you know, some people are dealing better with it. Some people, you know, my a fr American girlfriend of mine in Germany is, uh, she's like I am. She's a, she's a little bit of a wreck, but you know, she's, she's soldiering through. She has no choice. 
Well, Jane, do you have any tips like for people to break the monotony and um, uh, focus on what is realistic and what is rational and even ways to cope? Okay, so number one for me is establishing a routine was really important for me. Instead of just laying around in my pajamas all morning, watching Morning Joe and Stephanie Rule and you know all that stuff on MSNBC, I turned off the television. I got my, we saw a little bit of the news, you know, but then we were like, no, we can't watch this. And we cannot watch his press conferences all day because that was not working for us. Um, watch a little bit of the news, have our coffee. My husband goes to work here in the house, take a shower, clean, cook, keep a definite routine, get dressed, make half an effort to look half human. Uh, just, you know, just stuff like that. Keeping to a routine, finding uh, read don't stay on the internet all day. Definitely don't, you know, wallow in it. I've been whipping, you know, I straightened up the house. You know, our house is pretty neat as it was, but it's, I gathered some stuff together. It looks good. I make sure every day our house is nice and tidy because it feels better if things look good. I, you know, I cook, I read, I knit, I can, you know, I go out to the porch, I see our neighbors, you know, that basically just adhering to a routine. Um, without just wallowing, just find something to do and that you like and just keep doing it, you know, it just, but, but that routine, the sense of routine was huge for us and not watching the news. <laughs> <laughs> no, because it's honestly, it's, it's just, they just keep re repeating it, repeating, repeating, repeating. I mean, at this point we were up to here with the election. I would take the election back in like a nanosecond if this nonsense would just go away. I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. Yeah, um, are you ready for a trip to Florida? Because my house could definitely need you. No. <laughs> I'll even pay for the ticket, Jane. No. Just, we normally have like a, um, a, I am spoiled. We usually have a cleaning woman who comes and um, we, we told her not to come and we're, we're paying her anyway because it's just, we didn't, we didn't feel comfortable having her. We're, we're really doing this. We haven't been in a store in weeks. We're just having everything delivered in and, um, but we didn't want her to come in and, you know, put herself at risk, put us at risk. So we decided to tell her not to come. Uh, like I said, we are paying her because it's, it's the right thing to do. Um, but yeah, no, it's, I'm not usually that clean, but it's, I'm, I'm tidy. I, she cleans. I'm, I just make sure it's not out of control when next time she gets back. Well, then it's good to have somebody. Yeah. Then yeah. you really have I to... am lucky. <laughs> uh-huh. Well, we definitely are adapting to a new uh, normal. Um, I think the biggest uh, concern for uh, clients that we deal with uh, now is that this thing isn't going away. I mean, the consensus is, uh, all right, enough already, you know, let's right. get on with it. But there really is not going to be an end uh, uh, for quite some time. No. So I think uh, adapting to this new uh, way of life uh, is really important. And you may have uh, things to add to that, but just sort of looking at our future and how long is it going to take, you know, months or another year or until a vaccine comes out? Uh, honestly, I'm not thinking too far in the future. I'm kind of trying to take it a day at a time because that works for me. If I start thinking too far down the line, I get nervous. It just like, I just, it depresses me. If I just take it one day at a time, I'm good to go. If I, you know, like I said, it's just, I don't want to look too far in the distance. We got a couple, 
We've got people coming here from overseas and we're supposed to go overseas this summer. I, you know, I doubt it's gonna happen, but who knows? Maybe we will go, we'll see. Um, but I'm trying not to think about that. I'm trying to just get through the day, cook us a nice meal, spend some time together. You know, we have a pretty nice, my really nice relationship with my husband. We have a nice marriage. Uh, just spend the time together and just, you know, make the best of it. This it's is a, a really good technique to learn uh, without a crisis or a virus is that if you can just enjoy each day as it comes to be mindful, right. to engage in the art of mindfulness and yeah, enjoy your family, your friends, meals, uh, and all you have is this moment right now. Uh, right. That is, that's huge, a huge piece of advice too. Uh, and yeah. Yeah, I'm missing um, my family a lot. My we have a huge group of friends. I'm missing, you know, the social. We socialize a lot. Um, I'm missing seeing everybody. It's it's really rough, and then you know, it's really rough. But everybody's going through the same thing, so we just have to kind of soldier through. I'm curious too because you mentioned the telemedicine that you we're part of and we're doing a lot of telemedicine right now obviously because we don't want to pose a threat to anybody or vice versa right. okay what was that experience like for you was that the first time you did it or it was the first time i did it, it was really easy um the nurse practitioner that i'm you know going to see is really easy to speak with she's very real down to earth i just had had my first appointment with her like a week or two prior to that, because I changed um, family doctors, and I went to her. And so when she, when I went in to see her, she sat down with me for an hour, which was like unlike any doctor I've ever been to. We really just talked about everything. She, she got the lay of the land with me, and then so by the time it was like a couple of weeks later, when I, when I needed this telemed appointment, like I felt like she knew me, and she, and you know it was fresh in her mind. So it was really pretty, just darn easy. It was. Um, you know, I told her basically what I had been through, what I thought would help, and she agreed, and she said she, you know, she would put me on something, and she, and she did it. It was extremely easy. She, you know, she, uh, what, she tapped something into her phone. The order went to CVS. I had it delivered. In my, from, from time of talking to her to receiving the, to receiving the, um, the medicine, it was like 90 minutes. It was so easy, and, and um, I just think this is probably going to be the way of the future for a lot of things. It's just, it was just easy. And I'm glad that you had a good experience with it. A yeah. lot of people do have concerns, however, like talking to somebody oh. over, you know, and they don't feel it's as personal. What was your experience like with that? I felt perfectly fine. She, like I said, she's the woman, she's Bernice, her name's, she's really approachable. She's down to earth. You know, we, we just spoke woman to woman. I didn't feel like I was a, a, you know, a patient. I just feel like I was talking to a friend. She's very easy to speak with. It was a really good experience. Now that might be just because I had the right person who's, you know, she really seems like she has a lot of empathy. She was very easy to speak with. So that was my experience. I had just left a practice where I, they had new doctors come in and I went to visit them um, prior to going to hurry. And they just, and I did not gel with them. That's why I left them. I need to have, be able to speak to my doctor, frankly, without any fear. And she, you know, she really fits the bill. So I would say a lot of it is due to 
you know, her personally and how she, you know, she just really, she's easily approachable. I think that's really the biggest takeaway is the fact that um, it's really the clinician uh, that uh, makes the session. Um, yeah. And it, you might come across somebody who you just don't uh, gel with and that's okay. Right. You can find somebody else. But it's not about the technology or the fear of no. it being hacked or anything. It's really, um, you can have a, a genuinely fantastic therapeutic uh, or thoughtful conversation um, uh, through the telemedicine. And you know what? It's awkward at first, maybe for a minute or two, but then it's just like, you know, a face-to-face -face type of thing. Yeah, no, it was fine. It was really fun. But um. I could talk the paint off the wall. I'm, I can talk to anybody, anytime, anywhere. So I'm probably not your typical, you know, user of this, uh, this kind of, um, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? I'm not, your, oh, you know what I'm saying. Do you know what I'm saying? I'm not the regular person who gets on a telemed call. I was, it, I'm comfortable with myself. I have no problem saying, um, I had no issues at all with it. Well, I'm so grateful that we do have the technology to be able to connect the way that we have been. Oh, it's great, um, isn't it? Because I'm usually not a, a huge advocate, although I seem to have all the latest. <laughs> <laughs> Guilty. Um, but I always have these negative connotations to it, you know, especially when it comes to the younger generation and, and how they're uh, seemingly, and this isn't across the board, I've just noticed it more so than just one or two cases, um, have a difficult time actually communicating, you know, face in the real world. Yeah, in the real world. Yeah, yeah. It's tough. I mean, you know, they're so used to looking down at their phones and their screens, that they're just not engaging at all. Although I'm watching people walking down the street with their kids in the stroller and the mother is like looking at the phone, like what the <laughs> hell? could be more interesting on that phone than that cute kid having a grand old time looking at the world in the stroller. I just don't get it. I'll tell you too, my experience with telemedicine itself, obviously telepsychiatry, since I'm a psychiatrist, um, has overall been a very good one. And I really feel a lot of it has to do with the personality of the person you're talking to. Um, if you can get connected with somebody, I think it becomes a very therapeutic modality. I, I agree. I think the less people are afraid of it, I, I think the better it'll be for everybody. We can access a lot more people that way. The problem is, I think, also, there's a lot of, like, my, so my husband's coffee crew that I've been working down, hanging out with for years, and we're trying to do the Zoom coffee groups and stuff. And we have a couple older people who just don't know how to use the technology. And I think there's the, 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 the fear of the technology is, 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 is real for people. You know, they just don't know how to use it. it it's overwhelming to them. To, like to us, it's intuitive. You just tap, you know, blah, 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 download. But I think that some people just have a real problem with the technology. That is definitely a challenge. Uh, yeah. and we've been faced with that where we have, uh, an, an older population uh, here in Vero Beach uh, that, that we're serving. And um, they, it, even if you try to walk them through it just on your phone, you can just right. download an app and just, you know, or click in the email and it'll take you right to it. Um, right. There, there's still the, I just, 
it's, it's such a hassle for me, you know, to try to deal with that, that I'm just not, I'm just going to avoid it and just. Yeah, that's a shame. Hey, if I you face time with your grandkids, you can do telemedicine. You're right. The thing, well, once these, this generation like phases out, i.e. dies, I think it'll, <laughs> everybody will be, <laughs> um, everybody will be on board with this stuff, but I think it's, you know, it's just last vestiges of, you know, the, the, the beginning of the baby boomers or the end of the, you know, before the baby boomers. Oh, stop. I got a cat walking through here. <laughs> um, yeah, I think, you know, it'll be, it'll be a lot easier for people because most people I know are doing it. Um, I've got a couple of other friends who are seeing mental health professionals or seeing mental health professionals on telemed and they're having no problem at all with it. Mm -hmm. it's, yeah, I think it's age. And if nothing else, we do have the phones available. We can talk on the phone. Right, right. In fact, uh, um, a good portion of my practice uh, doing therapy uh, has been probably about 40% has just been over the phone. Um, wow. And that's because um, they feel more comfortable and unencumbered where they're not on a video. Um, right. Just talk and, you know, go into another room and, and be real. I think uh, when the camera's on or when you know somebody is uh, watching you. Yeah, right. A little bit of a disconnect. So right. So I have a question for you guys. Um, you guys are obviously therapists, so you're talking to people. How do you feel about like the drug being the magic bullet? Oh, you're speaking to the wrong person because this is one medical doctor who does not believe that medication is the magic cure. Okay. Um, I, there is definitely a role for it. Right. There is a role for it, but people who think it's a magic bullet and it's going to make their lives better, um, it's not rea reality. And actually, Tom and I are probably going to do another podcast on what people should expect out of the medicine in right. psychiatry and actually the therapy involved with things. Mm -hmm. In general, it has taken far longer than a week to get to where you are emotionally. Right. right. So people's expectations of I'm going to take a bill and everything's going to be all better is definitely unrealistic. Oh, I know. It usually takes me two weeks to get it into me. It, it works sort of working in a week. Now it's been like almost four weeks and it's fully, I feel the full effect of it. Um, so I've done therapy in the past. I, I, I don't know how to sound, say this without sounding cocky. I, I know what my issues are in life. Mm -hmm. I've dealt with them. I'm in pretty good, you know, I feel pretty good about myself and the way I handle things. But this time I knew I needed it. Um, I don't think speaking with somebody would have really um, achieved the same effect for me this time. No, and I agree with you because when you have insight into your yeah. own behavior, your right. own emotions, you actually have a lot of benefit from that and you know what treatment you need but you also have realistic expectations of what that treatment's going to do right not right magically cure you it's going to help no. you become more functional yeah it, it's honestly you know like I'm, every time i go on one of these i'm always shocked by you know why i go off them is beyond me you know i found I, you know got married got happy uh, you know it, that's the simplistic way of looking at it but um 
and then I didn't, I really did not need it for a long time. We were like just walking around, you know, we've got a pretty damn good life. Um, so I didn't feel like I, you know, I didn't need it for all those times, but I, like I said, there were some peaks and valleys in there that I was going through and I kept thinking maybe I should, but you know, I, I didn't go back, but now I'm thinking now that I'm back on it, it's just complete, like, you know, as you guys know, you don't feel anything except better. You know, I, there's no way of set, putting like a measurement on how you feel or what it's doing for you. It just, I just feel more like my, my regular self with it. Agreed. The way that I try to explain that to people, it, especially people who have what I'm just going to call genetic disorders, because they are. It, it's like somebody having diabetes and requiring an insulin shot. Right. You get into a symptomatic phase. You need an intervention. And right. Some people don't understand. They need this intervention kind of when they're on the floor. And there's right. no buffer where the medication can give them a buffer. Life still happens, you go up and down, but it's easy right. to bounce up and down. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, I still like completely capable of the full gamut of emotions and I've always been when I've taken antidepressant. Yeah, but yeah, but it just, it's way better. I'm, I'm, I'm sticking with this one, I think. Mm -hmm. And That's as I tell good. my friends, I'm like, oh, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> Well, uh, for us, it's really been a collaborative effort. You know, there's just some things that um, uh, medication can't fix or solve or help right. overcome uh, and vice versa with therapy too. There's only so far that I can go with uh, doing, um, uh, doing the therapy where we need to have an extra, you know, medication or several medications that's going right. to get over. Right. And it might not be for that long. Maybe it's only for a brief period of time. Um, right. Especially when they're in a crisis. And, uh, you know, uh, if you remember Maslow's hierarchy of needs, which we talk right. about therapy a lot, uh, if you're at that bottom rung of basic survival, um, you, you can't um, operate on this higher self-actualization type of plane. You know, we have right. to take care of the basic needs first. Um, and so that's where uh, that's that's where we reside, and that's where we work really well together. Mm -hmm. I have helped um, since we've opened our practice. At least two people. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard though to find a therapist who who you who you um who you can really speak with and who you you know who 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 works for you. You know, I had one years ago, and he was great. You know, he's no longer around. Um, I, I really don't feel that I need therapy now. I, I'm, you know, I, I, I know I don't, but, um, but it is hard for people. I know, first of all, all my friends are trying to find them. Not all my friends, a few of my friends are trying to find them. It's either hard to find one or B, impossible to get an appointment now around here. I don't know if everybody is going through the same thing at once, but people are really struggling with finding people right now. And, and that's ultra true of psychiatry. Yeah, that's what I'm, yeah. yeah. If you look at psychiatrists, most people are, especially if you're going to go through your insurance, back up three, four months. Wow, is that, wow. See, that's awful because people, you know, when you're really feeling like you need it, first of all, nobody asks for help till they're, you know, like you said, rock bottom. 
So then to deal, like wait another three or four months is like a lifetime for somebody who's having a problem, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's tough. Absolutely. Uh, were there any uh, other things that we didn't get to uh, touch upon that you, know, you really wanted to share? Not, not that I can think of. Um, let me just look at your little notes. Do you have a second? Yeah. yeah. And let me just take a peek. I did look at them earlier, but let's see. Wow, I heard the ice really well in the cup. It's picked up, yeah. Damn, these mics are good. Yeah. Once again. I think we hit everything. I mean, were you guys happy with, with the, did I do okay? Yeah, you did great. Oh, absolutely. In <laughs> conclusion, are, what would you tell other people? Like, how do I get through this? We know how Jane got through it. How do you get through it, Jane? You just keep plodding along, doing your thing, get the help, ask for the help. When you need help, ask for it, you'll get it. That's really, really key. Um, talk to somebody. I've been to a friend who's really going through a lot prior to this in Germany, and she's been really struggling. And, and she, you know, she's, she, she's, you know, we go back and forth on this all the time. She's asked, she's finally asking for the help and she's getting what she needs. It's just important. You have to feel um, that you can get the help and that, you know, but the, you know, still, I mean, the stigma of asking for help with your mental health is still, it's still there to people. Oh, although absolutely. Think, although honestly, you know, most people, you know, since I wrote that very, very um, confessional post about needing the Lexapro and blah, 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 what I've been going through, people have been so nice and so kind and so, um, you know, I went through this too. I got a lot of like responses off um, line text, mm -hmm. phone calls, um, messages about it. Yeah, I've been going through this too, blah, blah, blah. I, I give you credit for saying this. People need to be honest about it. Um, yeah, that's, I think, just ask for the help. You'll get, you know, you'll get it somehow. Hopefully sure. you won't have to wait four months, but you will get it. <laughs> right. So, so ask for help. And also you mentioned about creating a routine. Yeah, oh, that's huge. Yeah, creating routine. Uh, so one of my things that I do on a regular basis when I can is I'm a swimmer. I swim a lot. Five days a week I'll swim and I'm, I'm a, I am swim for like at least an hour at a time. Um, so I'm really, and I've got a sore knee right now that that's, um, was undergoing treatment when all this started. So now it's just on hold. So I've not been able to do physical activity. For me, that's another huge component of my mental health is the fact that I can swim and do something physically. That takes me into a whole other world. I haven't had that. And that may have like played into how bad I felt, who knows. Um, but, um, but I think that's key for people too, just to keep moving physically. It's, it's important for them. What, you're saying you don't swim in the bathtub? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> I'll be looking forward to getting back to that. It's like the one place in the world where I can just tune out. I just don't, I just kind of swim and I'm like, something comes in my mind, it goes out, it's nothing organized, it's just a really good time of day for me. Wow, that sounds like mindfulness, doesn't it? Tom? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, hmm. Jane, I'm so appreciative for you to come on the show. Oh, thanks for having me.